no one's going to storm the Citadel. No one talks about the Seltzer Revolution. You know, they talk about the Seltzer Wave. It was the craft beer revolution where we were rebelling against industrial beer, which you know, is perfectly acceptable, but it was highly manipulated beer that wasn't there to express the flavours of the ingredients. It was almost manufactured to hide any of those flavours in order to appeal to the widest. It's vanilla ice cream. It's the... I. Not the American cheese. I always I describe it as the craft cheese singles. You know, there's nothing to dislike about it, basically, um, but there's nothing to love about it either. And thanks to Cry Malt, this is Brews News Week. I am. This week's host, Matt Kirkegaard, Pete Mitchum <laughs> is off judging at the AIBAs, the Australian International Beer Awards, and is not able to join us. But we are joined by, say the line, Claire. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Red uh, in the Facebook page. Thank you so much. That was the most accurate meme I've ever seen. <laughs> um, appreciate that a lot. We, <laughs> he understands a, my pain. <laughs> we don't like memes as a rule. But every rule has an exception, and uh, <laughs> when it's yeah, so uh, that was very funny. <laughs> but we are, we do have Claire Burnett to uh, talk about the news. And Brews News Week is brought to you by your brewing buddies, Cry Malt, and they are back at Good Beer Week 2021 with the Cry Malt Trade Hub, located upstairs at Beer Deluxe. From hop sensory sessions to startup panels, Cry Malt invites you to come along to taste a few delicious brews, make some new mates, and broaden your knowledge of our amazing industry. Learn more at w www.goodbeerweek.com.au forward slash stream forward slash trade hub and uh yeah big week next week is um exciting down yeah so you unfortunately you won't be able to join us in melbourne Pete i and won't I. you have to hold the fort down for me guys um it looks like a big week actually i think everyone's really buzzing to just get back to it um which will be amazing i might end up getting a little bit rowdy yeah oh, <laughs> well it always does and it, it, it's been interesting to see a lot of the discussion around good beer week because it's Last year w- would have been its tenth iteration, and this is its tenth iteration. And it's interesting to see, um, you know, there's a video going around showing how it came about, where the Bintani boys, um, who are good friends of ours, um, you know, sort of were kicking around the idea with a few of the the beer people. And it's one of those weeks. It was really only possible because the industry was in town always for the AOBAs, and that was the reason that Gabs decided to host its event at the end because you had the industry there. But there'd been a few people who'd tried beforehand. Um, Beer and Brewer magazine that I used to edit um, back in... No, I'd left by that stage, but uh, David Lippman saw it as a, the opportunity to have a brewing conference and trade show, and it never, it, it never took off. But there were a couple of iterations, and then even as a precursor to Good Beer Week, there was... Um, the Beer Men TV was mm. a, it was a vlog, you know, before vlogs were vlogs. Oh, wow. Um, and, yeah, so they were a couple of guys who um, did beer reviews and things like that. And the morning after the AIBAs, they had a thing called the Hair of the Dog Breakfast that was huge. So you just sort of go and had a beer and breakfast matching uh, event. Um, and it was really well executed, really well done. And I think, you know, when you looked at that confluence of events, it it was just really, really fertile ground for, you know, people to come along and say, we should do something bigger. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's interesting. Have you looked much at the program? I've had a little gander. There's a few things that I'm really good about missing out. Um, yeah. Yeah. Our own prof doing his little 
little ditty, isn't it? So I'm that'll be fun. Looking forward to that, and uh, yeah, a few other things. But uh, yeah, look, it's it's it, it's interesting. You know, as we've talked about, you know, festivals on the show in the past, that one of the reasons that gave rise to festivals was it was it became a focus for beer in a, a, a hospitality economy that didn't have any focus on beer and it let beer be celebrated and all of those sorts of things. Um, but with you know every venue having a you know range of beers and taps and selections these days it's it, it'll be interesting to see what future it has particularly one that's based in melbourne so but anyway very excited going down pete's uh, that's what, what pete's doing and won't be able to join us so we've got some news to talk about we do we <laughs> do have some news to talk about um and obviously the big thing this week was the budget um so that sort of filled up my news feed but We'd already had the drop a couple of weeks ago with the excise um, um, news, yeah. so it was kind of it was interesting, but it was like more general. It was very much small business focused, which is obviously great for smaller brewers. But you know, but in in, in the great on. spin of budget, you know, as I commented last week, that what was most notable to me was that you know it wasn't just a line item in the budget when it finally came out with a press release yeah. targeted. They pre-announced it, um, yeah. which says a lot. With a full shiny press release and comments from X, Y, and Z, and and you don't often get that unless you, they at least think you're an important area of the industry, or, or sexy, or a yeah, vote winner. Yeah, and um, they look they look good by posting that one first, effectively. Yeah, or um, yeah, I still haven't completely discounted uh, that you know because Albo had been very identified with craft beer, um, mm. whether it was sort of just, you know... And a bit of nepotism, like, oh, I like I, this area. Is that what you mean? Well, no, I think, yes, yeah, sort of trying to sort of um, take the wind out of his sails oh. in, in something <laughs> that he was quite strong on. So right. you, you never know, it is all politics, but it's politics that's uh, benefited the industry. The one reason I wanted to include this in this week's news is... You know, we, we did, when it was announced, and then last week we did talk about, you know, the IBA is obviously huge lobbying win for the IBA. You know, take nothing away from that. Um, they're pitching it to their members and also to people that they want to be their members as, this is awesome, this is X dollars in your pocket. And it was just very interesting to see all of the different media headlines um, and, you know, something that was... A fairly simple policy announcement: you get your one hundred percent of your excise up to three hundred fifty thousand dollars back. But even the treasurer was saying, you know, when they're selling it, they're selling it to the public. Going, mm-hmm. you're going to get cheaper beer. You've got the industry association going, you're going to get more money in your pockets, members. This is why you should join us. It works for everyone. Uh, well, <laughs> but everybody's selling it in a way that can't. Well, uh, actually, there can be a little bit of truth in all of it because, yeah. as, I, as I said Absolutely. last week... Absolutely. It's all right, but interestingly enough, they can say that and then if people call it out in a few years and say, you know, beer isn't cheaper or we don't have as much money as brewers, then they can say, oh, well, that's the brewer's fault because the brewers have decided that. It's not <laughs> our fault. Well, they're, they're, I hadn't even thought about <laughs> yeah. that. So there, there's a rod to um, beat the brewers over with. But yeah, no, <laughs> as I said last week, I think if you have a brew pub um, and... By and large, craft beer drinkers in a brew pub are conditioned to pay, you know, X dollars, whatever it is, $10 for a schooner of pale ale. Um, and they're not going to go, hey, you guys got a tax break. Where's my dollar off um, a schooner? Because they, they're used to it. But as somebody said to me during the week, um, you know, if we are seeing big hotel chains growing, you know, the, the big um, hotel groups, they're sophisticated. If they know that suddenly these brewers have got 
money in their pocket. Um, they're going to be going, well, where's our dollar a litre cheaper or, you know, um, things like that. If you want to tab, cheaper, yeah. you need to drop your, your price. And that does then put pressure on everybody else. Mm-hmm. So we'll see where it washes out. We'll but it, no, it was we'll just see. yeah more in because it was interesting to see everyone was selling it to their um, constituency the way that benefited them in <laughs> yeah. ways that were sometimes a little <laughs> bit mutually exclusive. Really? Claire, expansion for Ironbark Hill Brewhouse. Um, yeah, so it's been an interesting week, I think, maybe in the run-up to um, Good Bear Week and everything, and we're just in a little bit of a slightly quieter period, but we've had some nice, good news stories this week as well, which is always lovely. Um, so, yeah, Ironbark Hill, um, based in the Hunter Valley, uh, they've ex- they're expanding from a 500-litre Braumeister to a 12-hectolitre Tiantai, which is a big a big move up. It's a it for and to be honest, I'm not going to lie. I hadn't heard if of them I'm really that much before. I had, they they weren't necessarily in my consciousness, um, and it was just fantastic that they they're growing that way. Got a new brewer, um, James Horn, who um, was previously previously at Hope Estate and Tribe. Um, you know, it's founded in 2016, so it's not that old. But I think the way that they're adapting is number one, realizing that they need to adapt and things are changing. And if they want to stay relevant and they want to stay in the market, that they need to do that. Um, but it was just a nice little story. Um, Andrew Drayton, who is a little gem and also a listener. So, hi there. If you're Congratulations, listening, Congratulations, Andrew. Yeah, yeah, well done. Um, really cool. Um, you didn't so know that until after you uh, interviewed no. him, though. So, I was No, I didn't. I didn't. Um, because he also said that I have to say the boom. That was what he said. <laughs> and I was like, God, Andrew, don't join the, everybody else. The peer pressure is too much. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it is lovely. And, you know, when you do go back to that excise announcement, these are the breweries that the AI, that the IBA was saying stand to benefit and also the cash injection will hopefully see people opening regional breweries just like this. Um, mm-hmm. So this is the sort of centrepiece to a, a lot of the mm-hmm. you know craft beer lobbying strategy these days. And so, yeah, it, it is genuinely exciting to see them doing well. So, yep. um, Good on you guys. Yeah. Um, next up, um, Young Henry's. <laughs> Much slightly, slightly more well known as a brand, um, <laughs> but this was an interesting one. Uh, they've basically done a crowdfund for solar panels. So, a couple of things that sort of jump out is um, crowdfund. Obviously, we've discussed crowdfunding on the um, podcast, and technically, it's not a proper crowdfund like as we'd know it. Um, but it's a really interesting project uh, with a company called the Pingala Cooperative, which started out. Um, I think it was seed funded by a council in Sydney and it's just grown and grown and started done loads of other projects in other industries and things like that and basically how it works is um, people invest um, they get a host so the host in this case is Young Henry's and what they do is they invest they do the capital raise initially to help um, fund the installment of the solar panels and then Young Henry's pays back they've got technically a lease a 10-year lease on these solar panels and Young Henry's pays back I'm assuming with some interest uh, and that goes back into the pockets of um, shareholders at Pingala so they get about five to eight percent um, return on that. Da, da, da. A, a crowdfund that you actually get an, inv- an investment return on? Exactly. And they've done it before, so they did it initially in 2016, so obviously it went really well, and people do get a return from this. And we Where's were just the catch? Oh my <laughs> I know, that's what I'm worried about. I'm like, where is it? So we'll see how it goes. But I mean, I spoke to Rich Adamson, obviously 
Great bloke. Um, very done a um, lot with yeah, very in this space. In this space yeah, because yeah. um, you did your podcast a couple of weeks ago, didn't you? And Richard was not it. So no, it, it was, was it was Oscar and, and Dan. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but they're obviously. I feel like it's just a cultural thing. Like they all think, you know, with the algae project and everything, they all think like ways that they can do it. And Rich even said, like, technically, we could probably afford this on our own now, but we. It's a number one. It's good for marketing. Makes them look good. Absolutely. Um, gets people involved. Uh, it's a nice little touch point between. Um, people who really like to drink their beer and also have those values of sustainability but might not be able to invest in that themselves at their own homes or whatever. Um, so I think it just hit a little sweet spot for me. It was good. I, it, it, well, a, a crowdfund where you make money. That's, <laughs> I mean, that, that's, you, that's, that's actually newsworthy. <laughs> but yeah, no, and I, 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 I sometimes you know, <laughs> think that we could be open to accusations that we're cynical. Um, I think <laughs> that um, would be entirely accurate. Yeah, yeah. but you know, and, and when you see um, you know claims of greenwashing and stuff like that, um, or you know, people raising charity, as we've talked about, you know, you know, our beer is all about raising X dollars for this charity, but they'll never tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, totally lacking in transparency and. That they might have that one value, but only because it looks good for them at that moment, rather than having that intrinsically as part of their business. And there's not a lot else to the story, and so they've, they've yeah. So so and you know, again, I'll get myself into trouble here. Emails to um, <laughs> got to whip them up sometimes. <laughs> well, yeah. Emails to crankybastard at bruisenews.com.au. We know it'll get through. It'll go through. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you do see brands that spring up that you know somebody's said oh look you know this craft brewing industry i'd love to have a brand i've got this idea for a beer you know well, because i don't own a brewery be, you know because the three mates and their dog story has been done you know we're going to start a contract brand and we're going to give to x charity um and you know you can't sneeze for anything that does good but when that is the you know one leg to the tripod which would make it a monopod i guess um <laughs> you know well, yeah when, when when that's the only leg um mm-hmm. holding up the brand you do get a little bit cynical because, you know, I, I feel that sometimes they're looking for an angle um, mm-hmm. to, to get into the market. But, yeah. you know, when you look at Young Henry's, there's a lot more to the brand. Go back and listen to, you know, it was a really interesting um, podcast. But then I, I really like the way that they own the fact that, well, yeah, we could have paid for this. But, you know, mm-hmm. this is a way, you know, it, it is ultimately something that resonates with our crowd. And then this is also a way that amplifies that message um, to, to the brand. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I, I thought this was a really interesting little story and, uh, you know, that showed that it was, there was more depth to the, you know, you said, I mean, that algae, um, mm. just the photos. and oh, it, stunning. It, it could have been the, the, the most bullshit story, <laughs> but those photos... The pictures went everywhere, like around the world everywhere. Yeah. And they did they did well on that, not just for the project as is, but for the marketing, for the yeah. the exposure it got them. It was bloody brilliant. But it is, and it, you know, they're doing it with the uh, university, um, mm-hmm. and w- when I was down to record that podcast... <laughs> they just changed the bags. So there was oh, just yeah, you sent me a picture and I was like, why isn't it green? I feel cheated. <laughs> well, one was looked like water, you know, the, the water in your pool when you haven't chlorinated for a few days, yeah. but it wasn't quite, you know, brilliantly green. Yeah. And it also wasn't backlit. And the other one was just 
water. Yeah, bubbling oh water. God. And you're going, okay, so I'll come back next week yeah, and we'll see exactly. how it goes. Yeah, that's it. And I even asked Rich, I was like, how's the algae going? I felt really parental about them. You know, like a distant aunt or something like that. I was like, how is the algae doing? You know, what's its hopes and dreams? Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, aren't they going to turn it into plastic? Isn't that like it's... Um, a, a, use, a sustainable material for like yeah. lots of... Stuff potentially as a substitute for plastic. Yeah, uh, yeah, um, that's yeah. it. Yeah, that's one. Um, well, actually, and, and while we're on that, and without below the folding this, if you look at, you know, arguably the biggest breweries um, in the country, Stone and Wood, B Corp certified, huge push on green, um, you know, sustainable living. Young Henry's huge. You know, I think they're you know, daylight. Um, if you look at Four Pines and. Um, B Corp certified, the first B Corp certified, they really push into that space. Um, you know, I, I think particularly with the craft beer, de- the engaged craft beer demographic skewing towards the younger end of the market over the, you know, fusty old people uh, like Pete and I, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you know, it, it does seem to be People are drinking experiences, um, or, or the brand. You know, in 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 the eighties, Nike and you know these big brands that sort of sold a dream about being like Mike, you know, or mm. whatever, um, or just do it. And it seems to be the thing that big successful brands that are getting ahead, um, even if it's not the sole focus of their brand, they need to really have that element of sustainability and being part of the future. Um, otherwise, I think there is a risk that they are going to alienate um, people as that be- increasingly enters the um, consumer conscious- yeah, consciousness. Absolutely. And people do seem to... It's, it's a, a cause and issue that people are passionate about these days, um, just in the wider world. And I think brewers tapping into that... We often get told like we're a really resource intensive industry, we use a lot of energy... Use like, a lot of water. Use a lot of water. So potentially uh, it's sort of protecting us in the future from being attacked in that way saying oh you're just like the big brewers you don't do anything or maybe the big brewers a while ago you don't do anything you are really uh, inefficient I believe as some people have called and I think this is a way of trying to mitigate that for the future not just to protect their image or whatever but because it is a cause that's close to people's hearts their own just as much as their mm. customers um, so yeah and because well it's interesting you say that because when you think about it breweries you know, whether they're resor- – craft breweries are um, inefficient in the sense that more people – you know, there, there are more inputs. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess they would tend to, on average, be less efficient on things like electricity and things than yeah, the big brewers. So. Yeah. Um, per litre of beer yeah. or whatever, I imagine they could be. Um but looking at ways to mitigate that, looking at ways to reduce water usage or reuse their CO2 and stuff like that, that's just fantastic and it's going to keep developing in the future. And that's what Rich said when we talked about the algae mm. thing is that, you know, it might not do anything immediately for us now, but this could be something big in future and, and they're just laying the groundwork for it. Yeah, like you're not going to solve it overnight and it's going to take time and it's these baby steps and the research that's going on. And actually the other one that I... Um, Brewdog, obviously, oh, Brewdog has yeah. done their huge, you know, made a <laughs> Sorry, huge <Brewdog>. thing um, <laughs> on it. Um, you know, I was, I was thinking of the biggest brewers in in the country, but when you step outside of their scale here um, internationally, and during the the week, speaking of 
not cynical, but you know, sort of knowing how to uh, craft a story um, from an announcement. Um, <laughs> overseas, they made a big thing of their selling off their bottling line, oh, um, yeah, their very expensive bottling line, um, because cans. And where are, are they selling them at? Well, they're selling it on eBay, <laughs> which so again, like I'm, I, I, I don't know whether they leased it. I don't know that you know whether they bought it, but I know that there are businesses dedicated to selling. <laughs> You know, high-end manufacturing yeah. equipment like that. Specialists, <laughs> eBay Not isn't eBay. it. So they've listed it on eBay. I, 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 we need to research it. Maybe we'll our good friends at BrewDog who who do listen to the show um, can can let us know. It was great. Uh, but again, yeah. it was one of those things. They they're, they're selling off their bottling line. They've obviously made you know the, the effort because they want to be, or they say that they are carbon negative, and making a really splash. Um, attention-grabbing announcement in in doing it and listing it on eBay, even if they do sell it through industrialequipment.com eventually. (laughs) It's a great way to reinforce and make people aware um, of the the environmentalism. So. Interesting. Actually, uh, on, on that, um, again, we've really we've overloaded the folding. Yeah, yeah, um, I I can't remember what it was, but I I did watch an interesting documentary about carbon credits um, Mm. and businesses or maybe – might have been a podcast um, looking at you know when you invest in carbon credits and there are businesses that are springing up that are offering to protect stretches of rainforest, which is where the carbon credit goes. Mm. And it raises the question, well, was that stretch of rainforest actually under threat to begin with? Mm. <laughs> you know, so, you know, so like you can sort oh, of say, that's interesting. I'm going to protect the trees in my backyard <laughs> and so you start paying me carbon credits. Yeah. Um, when you go, well, were you ever going to cut them down? You know, they, pr- <laughs> they shield you from your neighbours kind of yeah. thing. Like, it's if you're fighting the logging company at the on the frontier of it, then maybe I'll believe you, but if it's just a happy, peaceful little piece of land that was never going to be In the middle of the jungle, <laughs> yeah. yes. It's not being nibbled away at the edges. Um, um, but that's, you know, they're the sort of things that people can become very jaded. You know, they, they want certainty um, around the things that they uh, believe in. So anyway, that, that was a whole other thing. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so quickly moving on. Exit, um, rebrand, marks a new growth phase. Um, yeah, so this is an interesting one. Exit, down in Melbourne, shared a brewery with Kaiju for a number of years now. Um, we've followed the growth of Kaiju. Obviously, it's been crazy um and they recently upgraded from a 25 hec to a 50 hec um and that's that's kaiju at their shared brewery with exit now exit being a much smaller brewery we were i we obviously saw the rebrand and, and it's really interesting i spoke to uh, monica callanan from marketing manager there um and they were she was just like look you know we know we're a lot smaller and um, we know we need to sort of adapt and change and this is like the first step in us doing that is to, to rebrand um so it's obviously a fantastic little rebrand um they got a, a melbourne designer in i think and Do you know uh, who i can't remember uh lauren i'd have to look on the thing no, 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 the, the, uh, the small the, fortunes uh, uh is the okay because there are a couple of, i hadn't heard of them there are a couple of um companies that you just see over mm. and over again you know um, yeah. as happens in an industry where someone yeah. goes, oh, who did your rebrand? Oh, yeah, yeah. it's really good. I'll get them as well. And I think um, Small Fortunes are very much in the alcohol beverages space, but not necessarily craft beer, I don't okay. know. So I'll have a look into it though. Fairly distinctive rebrand. Yes. In terms of good. looking different from what yeah. a lot of the other rebrands are, which if you want to stand out, if you can make it good and stand out as opposed to just good and look the same as everybody else, um, yeah, is a good exactly. thing. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed this story um, that you did as well, Claire, because oh, like, like, you know, you get a lot of stories um, about rebrands and things mm. like that. And when you pick them up, you know, you like, might should as well we just do it? 
read yeah, the yeah. media releases. Yeah, going, well, yeah, yeah, we're rebranding in. We're really happy with it. And we wanted something that demonstrated our creative side. <laughs> and that, you know, yeah, yeah. It, it was one of those things that we look for in our um, industry coverage because they were very transparent. You know, they, they talked about it that, you know, we needed to, as a small brewery, we needed to convey quality and the brand needed to reinforce those quality cues and mm-hmm. things like that. And also that, well, the business has been kind of a hobby-ish sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, like know, straddling that line between a business and a hobby, I think she said. And, yeah. And they wanted to make, to professionalise. We talk about it all the time, I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> professionalise the, in the office, the as in, in the office about <laughs> ourselves as well as about yes, the industry. Exactly. Um, and, and this, this was just a great little step in that. Um, so while they even said, you know, Kaiju are massive and they've done really well and potentially going forward, you know, it might be a couple of years in the making, but they could have their own brewery, um, which would be ideal for them because I don't think they've got ambitions to be Kaiju size. Um, they very much want to stay small and niche and they are. They've got a really loyal following and, you know, why ruin that? And um, they've got a nice core range steadily. and again, I don't I have so many conversations about beer that sometimes <laughs> I sort of think, meld into did, did, did we talk about it here? Um, we talked about Kaiju, and I think Pete mm. raised the fact that Kaiju Crush, you know, because Kaiju was going to be the brewery that never made a beer under 5% yeah, to yeah, the yeah. point that, you know, James Atkinson wrote a story when they finally <laughs> brought out a beer at 5%, and now it's 80, we, we did a story probably 12, Oh, maybe even 15 six, months ago. 12 months ago, yeah. Yeah, no, it was just at the start of COVID. Oh, um, was it? Yeah, oh, right, that we, okay. and they'd when they were expanding. A first. million cans of Kaju or something, of, yeah. of Crush. Um, and uh, yeah, and it was like 75, 85% of their um, yeah. total sales, and you were like, that is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, cool. So yeah, well done, Exit. Looks lovely. And uh, interesting, yeah, if you're a brewery uh, brand owner and you're just sort of thinking about it, there were some just nice little nuggets of insight. Um, oh, and if you we're thinking of, uh, you know, having a rebrand. Well, I, I wonder, did they just have to order new mm. cans or What's did they them? just take the old cans <gasps> oh, and, you know, maybe find somebody who could just slip something over the old cans with the new brand? Oh, um, that would be a good idea. Who could it? do that, Matt? Well, look, I, <laughs> I, you know, I did struggle for a while trying to think, but then it came to me. Brad and Paul at Rallings Label Stickers and Packaging are very much looking forward to catching up with everyone at this year's AIBAs and celebrating Ooh. some of the great designs on their cans when they rebrand. Um, Rallings have signed up to sponsor the Best Design Label Surface Trophy at this year's awards and really want to support the industry that has supported them so well over the past few years and also... They've supported us very well over the past few years. They will be at BrewCon in September as well, and it's going to be exciting. And if that, if you would like to discuss any labels, stickers, or packaging ideas, give them a call on 1300 852 235. That number again, 1300 852 235, and you will find a link to it in the show notes. And uh, we're going to be at BrewCon as well, so we'll have to Ooh, um, yeah, catch up with them. Be fun. Have the Brews News Studio there. Oh, great idea. Also, that was very smooth. I think people oh, lovely. Thank you. Yeah, oh, we worked Pete's together proud on of that. You. I yeah. <laughs> picked up Teamwork. what you were putting yeah, down. Yeah, exactly. We did well. Now, windfall <laughs> for shareholders. Of picking up what yeah. someone's putting down. <laughs> windfall for shareholders in Endeavour Drinks Demerger. I mean, we didn't do a story on this one um, ourselves. We just uh, published the media release about this one. So this has been ongoing since 2019 that um, the Endeavour Drinks Group, so owners of Dan Murphy's and BWS, will be um, demerged from the Woolworth Group, their previous or their well, their current owner, um, combined with the ALH Group, so Big Hotels Group, um, to create another ASX-listed company. Um, so it's just a really interesting update on that. Um, not quite happening quite yet. It was supposed to happen in 2020, and then they obviously had to 
to sort of put that on the back burner um, during COVID. But I thought it was really interesting that um, investors are potentially going to receive $2 billion um, when the companies do merge. Kind of gives you an idea of their scope. I think we just, I always just take bottle shots for granted and I forget how massive their networks are and how influential they can be and how much money they make. Um, obviously, the hotel's bit. Is, is very much <laughs> contributing to that, but interesting. Well, you know, again, this is just a media release. We didn't dig into it because, you know, we do our best, but we're not necessarily high finance journalists mm. here. But the thing that stands out for me is whenever you see a merger of companies, they talk about synergy, you know, the, the savings in the back office and, you know, the benefits that come from efficiencies and things like that. Now we've got a situation where they're splitting a company and suddenly $2 billion is falling out from the back of the couch. Where? Where did that come from? How how does that work? Isn't that counterintuitive? But anyway, yeah. Um, Anyway, so that's uh, Endeavour Drinks Demerger. Um, Now, a story that dropped last week. Um, Not so much news, but just an interesting Mm. thing that we'd been watching as we like yeah. to say in, uh, in in brews news you know news is news and the first time something happens that's news the second third fourth fifth you know probably a bit of a trend story the 15th uh, brewed IPA that's just an ad um, <laughs> but so this, this kind of this one sort of fell into that you know second mm. third fourth fifth where um, the, the the pains and perks of barrel aging facilities we have seen a number of breweries um, you know create dedicated barrel aging programs and uh, so we looked a little bit deeper into that trend so tell us about that um yeah so like you say in the past couple of maybe a month or so now um black ops and ballistic have both opened um launched barrel aging facilities separate to their both them separate to their main brewery so not within them and i was like this must be a bit of a project because you're renting a whole different space you've got to think about everything from temperature control to racking to all these crazy things that are pretty, will end up being quite expensive. Um, And then for the beer to come out of it is obviously fantastic. Um, There are some really dedicated followers of it. People like Wildflower who go in for just mixed fermentation barrel-aged beers. Um, So obviously there's a market out there for it, but uh, I was just a bit like, I think we had the thought, you know, they are resource intensive, but they're also a little bit lower margin because of that. But I thought it was a really interesting one um, that... Dan Norris at Black Ops was just like, do you know, we're not really sure if it's going to be a commercial success, but we'll give it a go. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, and I think it was much more rather than about the commercial aspect. You know, they're not going to go to the accountant and say we've made a shit ton of money on this. Um, but what they will do is develop uh, their own brewing skills in house. They will. Um, it's it's a really interesting marketing exercise, um, and it's about the development of the industry and the mythology behind the industry and all that kind of interesting stuff. Um, I also spoke to Matt uh, Matt Harton from Boat Rocker, and he said, um, and I think this was an interesting quote for me. He said, "Beer can also be a meeting point of art and industry, where blending unique barrels of beer is the remit of the skilled brewer who understands beer in barrels, how those flavors work together, how the previous inhabitant of the barrel will contribute to the end flavor profile of the beer." And I think that in itself wraps up why you would do a barrel aging project. It's the learning of yourself, of your customers, um, and the way you deal with beer and the way you feel about beer. Um, and I think that's why brewers feel so strongly about barrel aging facilities. And that really came through from everyone for me. Yeah. And it, it, it was a really interesting story that, that you know, I, I love the Black Ops guys, you know, very you know, open about learning and you can learn a lot by listening to their podcast and because they're very open about the mistakes they've made and the lessons mm-hmm. that they've learned along Challenges the way and, stuff, yeah. um, and, and things like that. But each of the, 
people you spoke to had a different take on the barrel age program and i loved you know matt um horton really um you know speaks to the tradition of brewing mm. and the you know some of that craft element absolutely I the artisan bit that we like to we try and capture in lots of ways and then sometimes we don't and people criticize saying oh everyone just makes a hazy ipa in a can and things like that and i think that's and we might park that and push that in. Well, no, well, we might push that below the fold. In, in, yeah, bit, bit of a. <laughs> so we'll park that. But right. there was one interesting uh, comment, David Henderson, um, who I don't know if David listens to the podcast. He's certainly always active on the Facebook groups. With uh, mm. you know, he, he doesn't pull his punches. In, I don't in, in think his so because I'm pretty sure I've told him off before on the podcast, <laughs> and I didn't get an angry email. So. Okay, <laughs> um, but David says if your barrel program is low margin, I'd say you were doing it wrong. A bit of investment in transfer infrastructure and it's no more resource intensive than stainless tanks. Just the 12 to 24 month lead time for each single or the 18 month lag before a solera is producing. Granted, in barrel program ferments are more resource intensive and that hits the margin. And I think, you know, when you're talking about resource intensive, I, you know, I think he misses the point because having a dedicated floor space you have to rent out. You have to pay the rent on that. It's not yep. doing anything for you except storage, effectively. Yeah, and it's it's just money locked up mm-hmm. um, for months and years at a time, which is resources and it's intensive. So yeah. I think, yeah, I, I, I think he's sort of talking about the um, I, I like got people, the people angle, and, and things like that. Oh, but right. even so, you know, like ballistic, they've got Jake focused on these beers. You know, offline doing, not doing the things pushing beers out. And it's the same reason that, you know, craft brewers have typically avoided or disliked making lagers because they take longer to produce. Um, yeah, well, longer in tank. And longer in yeah, tank yeah. and things like that. And if you're not turning your, your tank over, it means you need to invest more in capital to produce the same volume mm-hmm. and all of those sorts of things. So, yeah, no, look, I, I, yeah I, interesting, not news, but mm. um, current news trend. Yeah, that's the one. Right, there's your dose of the beer news of the week. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure Pete would be proud. We went, probably went on a little bit longer than no, Pete did. would last. No, I, I thought it was think? pretty tight. Did we do all right? Yeah. All right, okay, then, cool. you know, He can keep the vaudeville to himself and we sort of stuck <laughs> to the news we and the did, discussion. We did, okay. Um, but that is your dose of news for the week. Um, if you need to get back to the mash tun uh, or you've finished your exercise uh, for the week, uh, you can listen back next week. If you haven't, if you want to hear more, and we have had some people who said that they do love the uh, longer form discussion, Uh, we are about to move to uh, Blow the Fold. Hope you've had a good week. I hope we see a lot of you down in Melbourne next week for Good Beer Week, and uh, stay well. And we're back. And this is Below the Fold, the bit where we waffle on a little bit more (laughs) um, or talk about things that aren't strictly news. If you would like to, and we'll start with the mailbag, if you would like to have your thoughts shared with the team. Give us a little bit of attitude adjud- uh, adjustment. <laughs> we um, need it sometimes. <laughs> point out that we're wrong, um, which, you know. I'll Only know. occasionally. <laughs> uh, or just let us know what you think. Um, you can subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcasting app. It costs nothing and helps other beer lovers discover the podcast. Or you can email us at justaboutanything at bruisenews.com.au. <laughs> but just so Joe's got yeah. a record of it, um, producer at bruisenews.com.au and she'll include it in our show notes. If you do hear something that you've said, if you haven't signed it or put your name to it, but um, would like a Bruise News Barblade uh, and, and you hear your name mentioned or your 
comment mentioned, just flick us an email at producer at brewsnews.com.au and we will get one winging its way out to you. Um, and our mailbag is brought to us by the New Zealand Aletrail.com. Uh, head to www.nzaletrail.com or find it in the show notes or at nzaletrail on social media to find the best beer experiences in New Zealand. Um, yeah, absolutely. Ooh. Huge. I can't wait to get I know. Um, fun, over. Right? And it looks like it's the bubble is it's staying happening. open. So, oh, good. Yeah. And the New Zealand Isle Trail is something that you can write home about. And if you do write home about it, you can include it in the mailbag. And we thank them for sponsoring and throwing Peter Bone. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> we were sick of hearing about it. <laughs> anyway, um, thank you to Joe also for nudging um, oh, quite yeah. pointedly in, in, in the uh, uh, Facebook group this week. She um, shamed everyone. She did like, shame everybody. Should I go and have a review? <laughs> and it worked. Um, so we had you know, like five or six reviews. We'll only keep um, a, a couple. Now, do you want to read this five-star review? Yes, I will. What's it? How they is it headlined? all five star. Oh my god, it's it's headline. Boom is back. Had to review. <laughs> um, by Gump underscore BMX at <laughs> Apple Podcasts. So yeah, I don't know who that would be. He'll email us. He'll let okay. Us know. Um, yeah, Gump says great podcast from beer is a conversation to Bruce News Week. The team will keep you up to date with all that's happening in the industry of Aussie craft beer. Best bits of the below the fold, long form, excitable conversations and what's happening with brew. <laughs> <laughs> Entertaining and informative beer news every Friday. Ah, oh, good. Thank you very much. I'm uh, sure Gump. if I like to be known for brew though. <laughs> well, as we <laughs> do we say, say, they are kind of like the Kardashians or the, the Megxit of the <laughs> yeah, you know, just that can't start watching that train wreck, can you? Yeah. Um, and it, cool. it can't go on for too long. And thank you to everybody that sent us photos, to our correspondents, you know who you are, yeah, yeah. who uh, sent us photos of Brew in the Wild, and particularly the ones, you know, some of the reps who dig a little bit deeper and are able to tell us, you know, they're able to get the gossip about what the wholesale price is on Brew compared to what it's, so we can sort of keep an eye on those margins um, versus Kent's salary. Um, and <laughs> we can work out just how many cartons of Brew need to be oh. sold just to paint. Kent's salary, Kent. oh let alone God. anything else. <laughs> now, Damien4051 via Apple Podcasts. Now, Damien, if the 4051 is your postcode, I might even Ooh. be able to drop that barblade personally. in personally. Oh, my Lord. Because we're 4059, so yeah. we'll see. So Ooh, we might be able to be home deliver. Um, Claire. Um, yeah, Damien says, drinking good beer can only be improved by knowing what's happening behind the scenes. I don't work in the industry, but find this podcast a really enjoyable way to hear the stories behind beer. Present as a down-to-earth, moderately opinionated, <laughs> and only biased toward making the, oh no, it oh, trailed off. Oh no. Uh, I'm hoping it Making the world a better place. Making the world, oh. <laughs> no, I, I, no, no, oh, I, I made that made up. That up. Oh, anyway, whatever that was, Damien. Only, only biased in a good way, apparently. <laughs> Um, yeah, so thank you for all them. That they were lovely, all five star. Mm. Which, and, 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 you, yeah. like, you can hate us and still review us. That's true. Um, I mean, if you must. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm presuming, you know. Oh, anyway, um, now in the Facebook group, Luke Phillips. Um, um, Pete's yeah. not here to get this one, but I'm sure he's read it. Oh, yeah, I think he will have done. Um, so. Last week, I believe, Pete mentioned the Hop Nation Rattenhund Pilsner. Um, and he, <laughs> Luke says, was really happy to see it on tap at Brewski last Saturday prior to walking down the road to see Queenland Reds beat the Brumbies in the Super U final. <laughs> ah, that sounds like a good day. Uh, it's a cracking Pilsner and a few pints were consumed, thus meaning we didn't need to lower ourselves to the mass-produced mids at game time. <laughs> so that worked out well. Good recommendation from Pete there. And like he said last week, he doesn't often make recommendations. So you, it's worth listening to Pete, 
when he does, I it, think. I, you know, it, it's, it's funny because when people learn what we do, they just naturally assume that we write Bear reviews. reviews. Um, yeah. And I can't remember the last time I wrote a like a, a genuine review that um, in terms of, you know, this is good because, and, you know, mm-hmm. I, I so ran subjective. out of adjectives. Well, it's, it, it, it's subjective for one thing and, you know, unless you just find that certain reviewers have a palette similar to yours and you can enjoy it. Um, but at the end of the day, there are only so many ways you can describe the resinous pine of hops or the, you know, um, the malty backbone of, you know, crystal malt or, you Did know. Did you ever go full restaurant critic though and just absolutely destroy one? Or were you reasonable um, and just tell them like you didn't like it? Yeah, I mean, I was always pretty honest, like yeah. more, more so when it was disappointing um, mm. or when it didn't live up to it. But, you know, you know, unless you know what the brewers interpret, you know, aiming for, yeah. um, you know, if it's disappointed me, maybe that was his aim. <laughs> you know, so well, maybe you're, know. Yeah, maybe you, you were thinking <laughs> you had lofty ambitions for it and it just didn't <laughs> didn't compute on the, at the end of the day. Yeah, I don't know. but I did like, you know, like I tried the Cooper's IPA finally this week um, and oh, was yeah. just like it was absolutely nothing wrong with it. Mm. Um, but it just, it was Cooper's yeah. pale ale with a bit of amp and, <laughs> you know, uh, some uh. hops like it just had the house style mm. it was better than the, the last attempt at an IPA oh, that's good um, and it did have some tropical hop character but it was just you know Cooper's and you yeah. go well what are you going to do I can still see the shore from here but <laughs> anyway it didn't take me anywhere Cool. Um, we also got an email from Trent. I don't think I've seen this one. Um, I've only recently gotten into craft beer and have been really enjoying uh, Radio Brews News and beer as a, co- as a conversation. Keep up the good job. Having been to Gab's in Sydney last weekend and having a chat to some of the smaller brewers in attendance, I got the definite impression that there was a lot of uncertainty amongst them in regards to the show going ahead in our current COVID world. What I really enjoyed was trying beers from smaller brewers I wouldn't get to try. What worries me is that smaller breweries will choose not to attend festivals like Gab's due to the cost of travel and accommodation, only to have the event possibly cancelled at the last moment and hence limited the audience's exposure to their fantastic beers. I was just wondering what your thoughts were in regards to chances of this occurring and how this would change the face of beer festivals in Australia if it did. Now, that is an interesting point. I hadn't even thought about that because it's such an expensive thing for small breweries to do and that's why they don't do it most of the time. They have to really pick and choose. I sent Mike a text on... Thursday night mm. when suddenly there was that one isolated COVID oh, case shocking, um, yeah. and you're thinking because oh, the Gold Coast um, when, when he was up here in January um, mm. Sunshine Coast suddenly Brisbane had a lockdown and they lost 30% of their audience that was going to travel from Brisbane down to it and suddenly after weeks in the clear one <sighs> case in Sydney and oh, there was gaps. a lot of uncertainty about it fortunately governments have learned a lot about um, risk management and, you know, they're not just shutting down economies or they're being very careful how they do it. Um, but, yeah, look, it, it, it's a real risk. Um, there's, you know, after Sydney, uh, today is Thursday when we record this. Um, I was meant to be in Sydney today for Chuck Hahn's 50th anniversary of brewing tonight. Um, there was a big um, festi- uh, festival for that, um, which a huge milestone, um, cancelled two days ago. Um, fortunately I hadn't booked and there is that sort of uncertainty um, that's going on. Um, I think you'll find people really do leave it to the last minute but then again it also becomes quite prohibitive price wise if you leave it to the last minute. There's a lot of prep that goes into it. You can't just turn up on the day. Um, So I think we might end up seeing that I think 
for the maybe the next year or two, we might just see a few select things that people go to and they make the point to go to and make the effort and put like extra little bit of yep. extra cost in there, make sure they've got refundable flights or do it the week before just to make sure everything's okay. I think we will see that. So there'll be a bit of a centralizing of um people going to beer festivals and then once everything goes back I think there there will be that rush out to spread to the smaller ones um potentially the more regional ones um hopefully we get those back because they're amazing yeah and, and that's where you know it, it's it's a hard business decision to sort of say look you know book now and you know if something happens we will refund or we will um credit you um because they've got costs and they've got business but confidence at the moment giving people the confidence to book um, and take a chance is a huge thing. Um, and, you know, businesses seem to be doing that. So, um, it, but it sounds like Gabs went ahead. It sounds like it was very successful yeah. um, in, in, in light of that. Um, it, it does go back to the conversation we had a couple of weeks ago. Um, somebody asked in the Facebook group why so many tickets were being given away. And I think that's partly it because people weren't buying yeah, that far that out for fear yeah. of, you know, it wasn't that long ago that Sydney closed down because of the outbreak on the North Shore. Um, and, God, yeah. you know, all credit to the Gabs organisers for, um, you know, wanting to make sure that there are a lot of people there to ensure that the brewers got a return, um, you know, taking a bit of a hit in their own ticket sales or giving away um, tickets just to make sure that the event was well attended. So, actually, speaking of which, um, <laughs> uh, Mike must have heard that um, we'd been saying nice things about the event because uh, we've got 10 tickets to give away. Oh, um, to that's Gab's nice. Melbourne this weekend. Um, we've got tickets across all sessions. Uh, or, uh, yeah, I think Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So. <laughs> We don't do giveaways as a rule. I've got the mm. tickets in burning a hole in my pocket. So without... <laughs> just write in. <laughs> yeah, just write in. Yeah, just email. First come, first serve. Just email, um, you know, producer at bruisenews.com.au and nominate in your order of preference. If you are in Melbourne or you're going to Melbourne um, or you've got a friend in Melbourne that you would like to win tickets and gift them to, um, don't have an imaginary friend because we don't want to waste them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if there's somebody you would like to gift tickets to um, or attend yourself... If you can just send us an email with Friday, Saturday, Sunday in your preferred order of going um, and we'll just, you know, first in, best dressed um, mm-hmm. as a reward for listening to the podcast. So I know a lot of you race TT getting it down. And uh, I'll be there for the first session on Friday if that gives you an incentive Ooh, to come along. Um, cool. Yeah, so th- and thank you to Gabs um, for, for, for those tickets. Now, that's our mailbag. Um, if you would like to have your thoughts or feedback um, or attitude adjustment included, <laughs> uh, you can send us uh, a review on iTunes or your favourite podcasting app, thems that have a review function, which apparently not all do. You can also join our Facebook group, which is a great place to just give us direct feedback. Um, yeah. Just search Radio Brews News and use the password Soapbox. Now, in other news, we've yeah we've sort of still... Yeah, we're we've running nice and tight. We've we got are a, good, aren't we? Um, it's Pete that holds up the waffle. show. Yeah, yeah clearly. <laughs> cut the dad jokes out and look what happens. Um, mind, mind you, there haven't been too many matter propisms either. So, no. um, yeah, it's not all Pete. Love you, Pete. Um, <laughs> other topics to discuss. Yes, this was one I shared. I just found it was quite interesting. Um, New Belgium Brewing uh, bets on Voodoo Range IPA fruit smash hard seltzer. Um, Chris Fanari, actually, uh, Chris Fanari wrote this. Chris was 
the editor or he was a journalist at Brewbound, which is oh, the news podcast. Okay, um, yeah. And he had a podcast and, yeah, um, so I thought this was an interesting article and that's uh, probably why. Um, just talking about Voodoo Ranger. So um, New Belgium suffered the fate of some of the biggest breweries in the US. You know, they were clear volume leaders, but then they sort of plateaued and they plateaued just at the time that they'd also committed very heavily to expanding their production. Um, I've spoken to Jamie Cook about this um, in the podcast I did when they took over Two Birds and he also announced that they were doing a big expansion because New Belgium, Stoner would have very much learned and modelled what they do on New Belgium in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. and including the Peloton effect, learning from, you know, swerving when they see the mistakes that somebody up ahead has made. Um, But yeah, um, New Belgium's flagship beer, which was Fat Tire Amber Ale, accounted for 52% of the company's business. This year, Fat Tire will make up roughly 25% of the company's sales and that's because there's been a shift, um, including to the IPA category and the Voodoo Ranger brand and that's been given a big push which coincidentally or not so coincidentally is also the brand that Lion which owns New Belgium now um, uh, or Little World Beverages has recently launched in Australia. Oh, interesting. Brewed locally here at Malt Shovel. Yeah, which is was very interesting to sit back and watch because AB InBev launched Goose Island IPA and it was everywhere. Um, they'd recalibrated it for Australia and then when they pulled out it's funny, I've been seeing in Facebook, you know, venues that had been given massive quantities of Goose Island branded glassware and mm. now suddenly Goose Island's pulled out completely yeah. um, from the country and so they're giving away <laughs> boxes of um, Goose Island um, glassware because <laughs> they don't have it and they can't, they can't stock it. Interesting. So it'll be interesting, you know, Voodoo Ranger, obviously or a much bigger investment from Lion in the actual brand, mm. Um so Isn't it funny though how things that work really well in one country that we think is similar to us in demographic and styles and just trends in the industry and then just doesn't work over there? Bunnings, did, did, did I ever tell you Bunnings went to the UK and they completely tanked? Yes, yeah, yeah. Absolutely yeah. tanked. And Bunnings is like an institution in Australia and it just failed miserably over there. But who wants a cold, wet sausage sizzle? Exactly, and also nobody likes to do DIY in England. We'd rather go to the pub. <laughs> oh, there you go. Well, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think um, Goose Island was. I, I don't know how well it had gone. Mm, yeah, um, yeah. But it was activated, and AB and Bev pulled out very quickly, so it didn't really have a chance to mm. to find its feet. But this is the the next iteration. Seeing uh, you know the Voodoo Ranger hitting the shelves. It'll be interesting to see how it sells because IPAs. We've got a lot. Why do we need another one? Yeah, but I can't think of any IPAs that have really gone big time outside oh, of the, you know, like yeah, craft. Yeah. Considering that craft is 10% of the market um, yeah. ish, whatever the, the figures are, depending uh-huh. on who you read. Says, yeah. But an IPA is one of the most yeah. significant. But then what is an IPA these days? You know, are you talking this sort? And I tried um, the, the Voodoo Ranger, lovely IPA. It's mm-hmm. my concept of an IPA um, but those more bitter beers are the ones that don't really find favour like a lot of the juicy ones are fruit bombs that have low bitterness mm-hmm. that even though they are beer have flavour cues for palates that are more reminiscent to sweeter mm-hmm. um, drinks um, 
So, yes, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how it goes here. But, yeah, just interesting to see the, the, the US and how an IPA is, is very, very big and how the Little World Beverages control is changing the business and the branding and their approach because they also launched a seltzer, um, which New Belgium was very much, it was founded by a social worker, a form of social worker, social conscience, and, you know, it was very much a big part of their branding, you know, being part of the community and giving mm-hmm. back. And suddenly they've re- released a um, fruit smash hard seltzer. And to help bring the brand to life, New Belgium has enlisted the help of social media influencers and podcast. Don't you love social media oh, influencers yeah. and podcasters? Don't you love podcasters? <laughs> um, Tom Allen, who goes by the name Chad Kroger, oh, a nod to the lead singer of Nickelback, and JT Parr. <laughs> uh, the house party defending duo, which routinely crashes city council meetings to make absurd requests like constructing a statue to the late Paul Walker. Oh, right. God. Okay. So they're gonzo. Um <laughs> is now smashing hard seltzer shame in a series of new videos. Um, The GM of New Belgium described the marketing campaign as edgy and bold, which generally means tacky and crass, (laughs) um, which does seem to be borne out because so far Chad and JT mostly relied on sexual innuendos and other (laughs) sophomoric jokes, such as travelling to Ding Dong, Texas to check out the dongs and asking strangers if they like to smash. Is that still... I just don't. They feel like that's the dude. Where's my car? Era of human being. But like that's, that's crazy. And more than anything, that sort of stood out to me. That yeah. Um, where's the social responsibility in that? Yeah. Well. And also, yeah. I've clicked on it here, and it's the first thing it says is "get smashed," and you're a bit like, "Ooh, Ava could have a field day well, on that." <laughs> all of that, and and you're sort of thinking, you know. I mean, this ties in a little bit to to what we've said, you know. Mm. If you drink seltzers and you get pleasure from them, that is their job. But the resonance, the branding resonance of something like a hard seltzer because you're appealing to a different mindset, um, consumer mindset than you are for somebody who wants malt water hops and yeast, Mm. craft beer, you know, the, the, the purity of the process. And you do have to change your branding. And when the same company like um, a new Belgium on one hand has promoted itself as being socially you know involved and craft and then suddenly you've got a couple of you know alco bros doing naf stuff like that under the same business model it's a it, it's a real challenge and and on that same i actually learned of this post from the bivana blog jeff Allworth, who's a uh, portland based beer writer i believe um he shared it, um, which is what uh, brought it to my attention. But then just under that, he wrote a post um, that looking at seltzers that actually resonated with stuff that I've been saying for years um, in that, that there is just something noble for, in, in a very subjective way about brewing. You know, brewing is something that connects us with our earliest Neolithic past, you know, when we first settled. There's something about winemaking you know, in its pure form of taking a grape and winemakers talk about giving it its fullest expressions in something that gives us pleasure. Um, you know, taking something natural, and, and beer is the same, using the malt water hops and yeast and create coming up with a recipe. Um, and, you know, there is intervention to guide it, but ultimately you are taking something very, very natural. When you start looking at, you know... I, I, the, the low-carb beers um, was something I always used to 
rail against, not because people didn't enjoy them, but there's an intervention in there that lightens the body, that makes them almost a fast food. And I've talked about um, uh, the Dorito effect um, and how our palates change and, you know, there, there is our gastronomic senses the, the way that we taste and smell and you know our sense of satiety um you know we feel full when our body triggers something because of the the foods that we've consumed and if you take the carbs out of a beer it's actually designed to make you drink more um not for pleasure but just to to drink more but um jeff summed some of those things that i'd uh, taken um, very nicely, he said, um, beer is an ancient fixture of human culture. A pint isn't just a flavour of alcohol juice. It represents an accretion of everything that comprises culture, communal consumption, history, process, disasters, law and agriculture. American IPAs, to take the latest development in beer's 12,000-year run, emerged because of new hop breeds, consumer and brewer interest in the way that they smell and taste, and brewing modifications meant to accentuate them. They became popular because people sat together drinking and discussing them. Bud Light lemonade-flavoured ranch water seltzer product is, by contrast, alcohol juice. No one gives two shits about how it's made or where, and nor do they discuss it as they drink it. Nor would they even care if it slightly if it vanished. It exists solely to raise the blood alcohol content of the drinker. It's the American cheese of the alcohol world. People will happily get drunk on it, but no one will ever care about it. Um, and, you know, again, <laughs> we, we need a... Um, uh, what is it? A confirmation bias warning? But mm-hmm. yeah, look it, again. It, it, it's always nice to see something somebody put it so eloquently mm-hmm. that seltzers are purely about delivering alcohol to consumers in the most appealing way. But there's no st- story about it. But it has been interesting to see the way that people have tried to give them a um, a patina of healthfulness or a patina of mm-hmm. only x amount of calories and all this kind of stuff. And natural. you're like, so <laughs> like, yeah. what is in it? That's the thing. Is it just made of chemicals? What, what are you doing to me? Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like even the fruits, the na- all natural fruits mm. that they put in, fruit has sugar in it. Fruit has color in it. To get a colorless, sugarless fruit extract. It may have started with a raspberry or a grape or a pear. <laughs> many, many iterations uh, ago. <laughs> yeah, but the, the the pear walked into a lab and came out, out changed. Something else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Had, 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 had an appointment with some people in white coats. Um, and if that's natural, oh, so you know. If that's what you think is natural, yeah, well, interesting. It's, yeah, it, it's <laughs> natural in the same from? way as the flavorings in, you know, all natural, you know, snakes are, are, are natural. Um, but which they talk about, despite them still being loaded with sugar. Oh yeah. To distract. So anyway, yeah. So, so that was just a it was interesting to see the way that New Belgium has been positioned by um, Little World Beverages, and then also you know, just that, that other thing. God, that was a deep dive um, into the <laughs> rabbit hole. But it's interesting though, because you're right. It does bring up a lot of issues that we discuss and pick up and drop and they just become relevant but it's a continuing thread and a lot of those things it, when you were talking about the Dorito effect it made me remember that um, a couple of years ago I think now um, Subway bread in Ireland was uh, described as a confectionery because confect- of the amount of sugar the amount in, of it. Sugar in it and they always try and bang on about how healthy they are and the salad they the they've got salad in yeah. yeah yeah exactly and it's not just beer it's not just the beer industry it's much wider than that and I think 
in, it, looking at it in the microcosm of beer is really, really interesting that we are managing to do the same sort of thing. A lot of people have heard me talk about seltzers and think that I'm teeing off on seltzers, but I'm not. My issue is just what Jeff said. No one... There is no passion. No one's going to storm the Citadel. No one talks about the Seltzer Revolution. You know, they talk about the Seltzer Wave. It was the craft beer revolution where we were rebelling against industrial beer, which you know, is perfectly acceptable, but it was highly manipulated beer that wasn't there to express the flavours of the ingredients. It was almost manufactured to hide any of those flavours in order to appeal to the widest. It's vanilla ice cream. It's the... I. Not the American cheese. I always I describe it as the craft cheese singles. You know, there's nothing to dislike about it, basically, um, but there's nothing to love about it either. And it's the brands that people love. But craft beer, the thing that made craft beer industry possible was people's passion for something that was different. Um, you know, and that's morphed, and we're now looking at you know social good and things like that, which is all tied up in it. But the more my fear is that the more craft brewers become multi-beverage companies and take the focus away from the purity of the craft of beer um, that they once did, or, you know, beers just become fruit pulp smoothies. Which feeds into all those other issues about bitterness and what is, a, are you drinking it to get drunk or are you drinking it because you enjoy it? Uh, lots of people would say that they enjoy IPAs, but maybe they enjoy them because they don't taste like beer. Yeah, and, uh, well... <laughs> And not saying that's everyone. No, obviously. well, no, but, you know, like RTDs don't taste like spirits. Um, you know, I, I, you know, good vodka or, you know, good whiskey and things like that, I, I think the, the excise is on them is too much because people don't go in to a bottle shop and buy an 80 90 100 you know, $200 bottle of whiskey and then smash it. Um, put it with a can of Coke. And <laughs> but, yeah, well, you don't put it with a can of Coke. That's the thing. You drink exactly. it for the plane. You, yeah. you, you approach it differently. Um, but when you've got the, you know, I remember the first time I ever had a vodka cruiser and you couldn't taste the, even the alcohol in there. Mm. Um, there was not, none of that burn. There was not, there was only, it was like drinking lemon yeah. squash. Coats your tongue in sugar. Yeah. yeah. And, and it hides the alcohol and alcohol itself, you know, beer, the bitterness is the thing that, you know, you, you have to come at. So yeah. Anyway, so there was just other people saying the same things in a confirmation bias way. <laughs> no, all really interesting. Love it. But if, if, cool. if you agree, um, or if you disagree, actually, especially if you yeah, disagree. Yeah, especially if you disagree. We like to point leave point. our echo chamber sometimes. Sometimes. Should set up the, um, <laughs> we, we used to have a phone number, where, like a Skype oh number God. where people could phone in. And oh, that could be cool. Yeah. Oh, I guess we're not live, so. Well, no, but we can then just play it. So, oh, and yeah, fair play, it. fair play. So we, we might see if I can dust that off. Oh. So anyway, that's an hour. Oh, it is. Oh, that went oh, quite no, quickly. Yeah, well, the, the last 20 minutes did. <laughs> Hello to you, Pete. Hopefully we did okay in your absence. Um, thank you all for all who listened, engaged, um, sent us things. Um, brew, you know. <laughs> Always thank you to Brew. Well, brew's brew, yeah, we won't talk too much. It, it, it's, it's in the Facebook group. Um, but, yeah, thank you all. Thank you to our sponsors, Cry Malt, Rallings, Labels, Packages and sticking, uh, Stickers, uh, the New Zealand Ale Trail, um, also, our bar blades, which are Thirsty Merch, um, who supplied our dog bone bar blades and all of the people who are going to receive those. Thank you very much. Uh, as Pete would say... Um, what does he say? Something about washing your hands. Yeah, wash your hands. Oh, crap, we should be listen good. to him more. Be, be excellent <laughs> to each other, as, as they say. And uh, thank you very much. And we'll uh, 
see you next week. Actually, and um, have, have a listen while I'm thinking of it uh, to the chat with uh, Chris Kelly. Um, oh, yeah. Very interesting chat. Well. Um, not so much about cans or canning, but just about an interesting perspective. And he's got a great, like a wide-angle view of it, which is yeah. really interesting. Yeah, so, and, uh, so go listen to that. And we will be back next week live from somewhere in Gabs. Well, you won't be. We'll be phoning, Claire will be phoning it in. Don't rub it in, will you? I'll be well, gu- I'm well good. But one thing that she won't be phoning, phoning in is a syllable. Oh, I, I'll do it. I'll do it. And we're out. Boom. Excellent. That do? Excellent. That was good. That, do? that was good. Okay. I don't think that'll leave anyone disappointed. Don't forget, if you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. Finally, you can tell us directly what you think by sending an email to producer at bruisenews.com.au. All letters received will receive a Bruise News bottle opener. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because beer is a conversation.